Joshua in chapter number 5 tonight. Joshua chapter 5. I do not intend to keep you long tonight. I know it's been a full day. I know it's Mother's Day. And, and uh, I, I, I want to get you uh, home. But I also do feel like this is a message that can be very helpful um, as well. It challenged me, and I hope it will challenge you. Uh, and really the title of my message is The General and His Encounter with God. The General and His Encounter with God. Uh, Jericho, of course, great song. Joshua and the Battle of Jericho and the Walls Came Tumbling Down. A very familiar story and one that you've probably heard often. Uh, but tonight I want to talk about the prelude to that story and what happened with Joshua and, and God when they met there in Joshua 5. And once you found it, if you could stand tonight to your feet... I want to read the first few verses, the last few verses of chapter 5, and then the first few of chapter 6. The Bible says uh, there in chapter 5 and verse number 13, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship, and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty man of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go around about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of rams and horns. And the seventh day you shall come past the city seven times, and the priest shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And let's pray. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Lord, you sure are a great God. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for blessing our church and our campus churches today. What a blessing it is to reach people and to minister and to love people. To talk about you and show people the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, watch as uh, babies were dedicated to you and parents uh, solemnly, Lord, uh, made a decision in their heart uh, to raise their children up. Lord, many young families today in the audience and many visitors. And Lord, you're doing a great work here. And Lord, we know we, we, we have much more to do yet. And we're asking tonight that you'll use us in a special way. You'll help us as we learn something from your word, as we look and appreciate your awesomeness in four different ways tonight uh, that you are to us. And that, Lord, we need you. And may we see that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It was the first day on the rifle range at Lackland Air Force Base, and there was a cocky new recruit there, and the young man was very confident as he aimed his gun and squeezed the trigger of his carbine for his first shot. He was pretty proud of himself. He felt very sure of himself. And the instructor came and said, good news and bad news. 
The good news, you got a bullseye. Before the recruit's head could swell too much, the instructor said, the bad news is uh, it was somebody else's target. And sometimes in uh, the Christian life, we can get pretty excited and pretty full of ourselves. And as we learned this morning, uh, we think we, we've done some pretty exciting things. But in the end, it's all God just being, being willing to use us. And may we continue to allow God to do that in us. And tonight we'll look at a military hero in Joshua. As he finally gets the opportunity to lead his people to conquer Canaan. He's one of the few of his age, him and Caleb. The rest are all younger. Uh, the rest didn't quite make it because of their doubt. And he stands there, and as he looks out, of course, upon that beautiful promised land that he so desperately wanted to take 40 years before, but could not take it. It wasn't time yet, though he wanted to. Though God was able, the rest of the people did not feel that was the case. And Joshua stands there looking at big, bad Jericho and thinking, man, can't wait for God to take that city for us. And as he stands there, the Bible says in verse number 13, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. What was Joshua looking at? What was he gazing at? What was he thinking? I don't rightly know. But I imagine maybe he was thinking back to a few years before when he had looked at that city the first time and ready to take it with 10, 11 other men, spies, that were looking at the beautiful cities of Canaan and the the luscious grass and and the big uh, grapes. And yes, there were some giants, there was so much more, but he was ready to take it. But the other spies, ten of them especially, said no. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 13, I want to kind of bridge it if I will. I, I think they have these up on the screen or you can follow along in your Bible. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man. Every one, and I thought this was interesting, a ruler among them. These weren't just random people that Moses picked. He picked certain men, leaders, rulers, men that he felt like would give an honest assessment of the land and he felt like would help get these people ready to go forward. But ten of them he picked wasn't the rulers perhaps he thought. They were all heads of the children of Israel. These were influencers. These were leaders. And then in verse 17 of chapter 13, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And said, get up you this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, and whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be a wood therein or not, and ye be of good courage. He thought these leaders were the right men, and he says, hey, be of good courage when you go and spy out the land. And verse number 26, of course, they were supposed to bring of the fruit of the land. And verse 26, they returned from searching of the land after 40 days and brought back word unto them and all the congregation. Of course, I'm sure they, of course, the Bible says they showed them the fruit of the land and they told them and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Perhaps everyone is sitting there watching 
Of course, maybe you saw the pictures as I did as a kid, and literally two men handing one big uh, cluster of grapes. I don't know if that's exactly how it happened, but that's what I think of. You know, the flannel graph or whatever, this big thing of grapes. And could you imagine that people were, wow, this is awesome. Let's go. What are we waiting for? Man, they're ready. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they hear the men say, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And now the people start getting a little bit scared. And they say, wow, this is great stuff. But... They started weighing it out. But what does Caleb do in chapter 13, verse 30? Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with them said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. The Bible says in chapter 14, verse 1, The children of Israel lifted up their voice and cried. The people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness. Perhaps maybe they're sitting there, they're weeping, they're crying, because they had left uh, the bondage, and they had crossed the Red Sea, they had crossed that desert, they had crossed all that, and yes, God had provided manna and water, and he had provided quail and all this for them, but, but they were tired, they were, they were exhausted, they were ready to just go and relax, and, and they get this report and say, wow, let's go vacation time. They're going to splurge. But then they hear about all the negatives, and they say, ah, we can't do that. But in verse number 6, the Bible says in uh, chapter 14, and Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jeph, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us up into this land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Joshua now chimes in and says, Hey, guys, I know, I know. It seems like we can't do this, but we can. We can do it. By the way, Joshua says in verse 9, Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from him, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. It's interesting here, Joshua alludes to fear as rebellion. May I say tonight, the children of Israel was judged for this severely for their fear. In chapter 14, verse 37, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephna, which were of the men that went to search the land, live still. And may we be ever mindful of this. In Revelation, chapter 21, the Bible says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and adulterers and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. God doesn't like fear. God never intended us to live in fear. He never intended us to never do anything for him because of the what ifs. Or I'm just not qualified. I don't think I can. And perhaps Joshua here is thinking that as he lifts up his eyes and he looks at this big city. The very city that perhaps the ten other men's caused him to say, we can't do it. And he looks at that city and says, okay, 
Now's the time. I've waited 40 long years. Let's go do something about it. The Bible says in verse 13, while he's thinking these thoughts, and behold, there stood a man, chapter 5, verse 13 of Joshua, stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. Could you imagine? A little spooky, you know. The general is out. He's looking over and trying to figure out what's going to happen, what they need to do. And he comes up there and he's thinking, maybe lost in thought. Maybe wondering what it could have been. They could have experienced this 40 years ago. And as he stands there, he sees a man with a sword. And he's thinking, oh boy, (laughs) I better do something about this. And then the Bible says in verse 13, Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Now we know this is what I believe God coming to him. Uh, in the form of a captain, of a host, of an angel, and, and God's coming to him and talking to him. But I want to see four different things tonight from Joshua's experience that shows the four attributes of God. So number one, if you're writing, I want us to see his headship. His headship. The Bible says there, Joshua went unto him. The word unto there is an aggressive word. It, it literally means ready to take him out if he was the enemy. I mean, Joshua is there spying things out, had no idea he was going to be fighting, but he sees this man with a sword, and he probably draws his sword, and he he rushes at him. God appears to Joshua as a man of war. He's ready to take him out. And Joshua says, are you for us? Are you for our adversaries there in Jericho? Who are you? Let's just start this battle now. The Lord God turns back to him in verse 14 and said, nay, But as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? God responds. He says, I'm not coming to you or your calls or theirs. You will come to me because I am sovereign. The Bible says there, And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship, and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Now, why would Joshua have fallen on his face if it was an angel? I don't believe an angel would have allowed him, because in Revelation 22, verse 8, the Bible says, And I, John, saw these sayings and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I found down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these sayings. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of his book, worship God. This man, this man told to John, hey, I'm just an angel. I'm no greater than you. Don't worship me. But this particular person in Joshua allowed Joshua to worship him. Hebrews 1, 1, 6 says, and again, which when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. You see, God had revealed himself through a bush to Moses, through a traveler to Abraham, And now he reveals himself to Joshua as a captain of the army. May I say, God doesn't reveal himself often like a warm, fuzzy, or furry being. He reveals himself as a holy God. And Joshua gets down in his face as quickly as he can. Why? Well, first of all, we see his headship tonight. But second of all, I want us to see his holiness. His holiness. Our God is a holy God. The Bible says in verse 15, And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. 
this powerful general knew the authority of God in his life and the awesomeness and the respect of God. And he immediately took his shoes off and did exactly what God said. And may I say tonight, we serve a holy God. The defining attribute of God is his holiness. Isaiah 6, verse 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. God is not only free of sin, but because he's holy, he is exalted above all. Exodus fifteen eleven. Who is like unto thee, O Lord among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders, I'm thankful tonight, not just that God is the King of kings and Lord of lords, but he is a holy God. He's perfect. He's blameless. Years ago, a lady named Barbara Boyd tried to explain this. She was giving a talk one time, and she said, if you were to invite me into your home and say, Barbara, just you come in, not Boyd. We don't want the Boyd name in here. She would say that would be impossible because I am both Barbara and Boyd, oftentimes people want the God who's loving, helpful, caring, but they don't want the God who's holy, powerful, omniscient, and sovereign. They want the God who can fix their needs and they'll be with him for a while, but when things start getting okay, (laughs) they're just good with God going back to just being out of their life. But my dear friend, you can't have half of God. It's either one or the other. And someone said this, if the distance from the earth to the sun was a thickness of one paper, it would represent 96 million miles from the distance from the earth to the sun. And then from the sun to the nearest star, I I don't know, I've never done this, I'm just doing off scientific, it would be 70 feet tall of papers. That's how far away the distance from the sun is to the nearest star. The diameter of our little galaxy would be 310 miles high. And that's just a speck of all the universe. May I say this morning, this evening, Jesus Christ holds a whole universe and the word of his power. What a holy, powerful God. Someone said this. Well, let me read this first. Hebrews 1, 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sin, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God controls all that with his word of power. He holds a whole universe together with his pinky. And then this lady said this. Do you ask someone who can hold all this together to come in and just be your assistant. No, 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 no. You come in and ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. A lot of people struggle with that. They just want a little bit of God. They just want the good parts, if you will. And God says, no, 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 no. I'm the headship, and I'm a holy God. And I want your life. I want to be in control of your life. Oftentimes, People come to Jesus like Joshua. They come with a problem. They come with an agenda. They come with a campaign. Are you for us or against us? And God says, hey, don't come to me with conditions. I'm the one who gets to make the conditions. I think of the thieves on the cross. Think with me, if you will. Luke 23, verse 39. 
And one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. One of the thieves says, you can, If you can prove to me that you're God by saving us from death, then I'll believe on you. But what did the other thief say? The other answered and rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. There was two thieves. One wanted the demands of God to prove himself and Jesus to prove himself by taking them off the cross. The other one said, Lord, if you'll just remember me, I want to come on your terms. I don't need you to do anything for me. I just want you to remember me. When you come into paradise, and what did Jesus say? Today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. If you come to God conditionally, you have not come to God at all. You either don't come in at all, God says, or I come in and be your general. It's interesting tonight, we see God as a headship, but God as a holy one as I am in charge. You don't need to make the conditions. God, I'll serve you if... No, no, no. I'm the Lord and Savior. I'm the King of Kings. I'm in charge. You see, God calls us to live holy lives. And because God is holy, he calls us as people to live holy lives. And 1 Peter 1, verse 14, As obedient children, not fashioning ourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so ye be holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. 2 Corinthians six seventeen says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. But you know what's wonderful about God's grace? He doesn't just expect us to be holiness by ourselves. No, he wants to develop that holiness within us. Second, uh, Titus 2.11 For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Aren't you thankful today that God's patient with us? And he helps sanctify us. And if we'll be but willing, though we mess up, though we make mistakes, he just keeps helping us along our journey day by day. My dear friend, if, if we wanted just the good parts of God, I, I wouldn't be here tonight. I've shared my testimony before, but I struggled for years about God's call in my life. I, I, I hear Brother Mutchler's call, and, and I think he was in the uh, uh, washing, or uh, 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 I was going to say power washing clothes. <laughs> Not power washing, but he was... What, what do they call that? Not, well, it's not a lot. It's kind of like a laundromat, but it's when they, when they do like suits and dresses and stuff. Thank you. And I uh, appreciate that. Dry cleaners. And he, and he said, God called him and he went home and said, Mom, God's called me to preach. And he said this several times. I'm sitting there thinking the whole time, that's not how mine was. God called me and I said, no, no. He called me at, at camp, youth camp, no. Called me at pastor school and him, year after year, no. He called me time, time, no. Finally that day I couldn't take it anymore. I realized, God, it's not enough for you to have part of me. You want all of me. 
And I'm not saying that's for everyone tonight, being in the ministry. But what I am saying is God wants all of you. God deserves all of you. He's the general. He's holy. But what's wonderful about God is number three, his humility. His humility. The Bible says in verse 13, And there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. I want to focus on that word sword there a little bit tonight. Joshua could not get close to God. God wasn't going to let him. That sword was going to keep him. And may I say tonight, because of our sin, we cannot go into the presence of God. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short. For the wages of sin is death. And what happened in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned? The Bible says in Genesis 3.24, So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. That sword kept them from coming into the garden. That sword kept them from coming into the presence of God. And may I say, because of their sin, we too are kept from the presence of God in Romans 5, 12. Wherefore is by one man sin enter the world and death by sin and death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Manoah and his wife, Samson's parents, when they talked to God, they fell down thinking they were going to die. Gideon thought he was going to die as well. Moses there at the burning bush. And, and of course, he's as afraid as well. And back in the Old Testament times, of course, you know, as the high priest would go in into the, 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 the high place, the Holy of Holies, uh, they would have those bells around, uh, around their, 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 their outfit there and a rope because if they heard, quit hearing those bells, they knew God had taken life and they had to pull the priest out. And it was a very sacred thing to go into the presence of God. I think of Abraham and the covenant. I preached a message on this several months ago in Genesis 15. And God told Abraham to cut all these animals in half, if you remember, and make two paths. And uh, what they would do is they would they were making a covenant. And that's how they did the oral. Instead of oral signature, they acted it out. Or I mean, instead of a physical signature, they acted it out. And, and they would go between these two dead bodies, this row of bodies. And, and the vassal usually would go through and the king wouldn't have to. And Abraham thought that he'd have to walk through and do this covenant. And he thought, how in the world am I going to do it? And the Bible says that God came through as a smoking furnace. And he passed through that covenant. And he was saying, uh, Abraham... Whether I, if I, if I fail, then you can cut me in pieces like these animals. But if I don't fail, I'll hold up my end of the bargain. And Abraham, you don't even have to walk through those. What was Christ, uh, God saying there? He was saying in Mark 15, 33, and when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. In Isaiah 53, 6, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. What God was showing Abraham was what God showed us when Jesus Christ went to Calvary for us. He says, I'm willing to be torn apart. I'm willing to be battered and beaten. I'm willing to be hung on a cross so that you don't have to fear the sword anymore. So that you can go into my presence. So that you can spend time with me on a daily basis. So you can spend time in prayer. And if you become a child of God and accept me into your life, you'll be my child. And we'll be able to have this sweet communion, that sweet fellowship. And day by day, you can have time with me. I'm willing to do that for you. Galatians 3 verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. 
For it is written, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. And here's the key, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the spirit of faith. You know what that sword means? Joshua couldn't come close. But because Jesus Christ was willing to go to the cross for you and me, we can go straight to the Father. We can spend time with Him. And I see, first of all, God shows His headship. Second of all, He shows His holiness. But third of all, He shows His humility by willing to leave heaven and to come and make a way so you and I wouldn't have to go to hell. But we could also have a sweet relationship with Him. And then last of all tonight, I want us to see His helpfulness. His helpfulness. God is King of kings. He deserves to be Lord of our life. God is a holy God and He's perfect. And that's the only reason why He was able to go to the cross for us. He was truly humility when He came and was willing to die for you and me. But last of all tonight, I want us to see, as Joshua got to see a part of God, that you and I get to experience on a daily basis. His helpfulness. The Bible says in Joshua 6 verse 1, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty man of valor. And then he gives a few verses there of what they needed to do. And if they will do it, that God will bring those walls down. You know the story. They did it. Exactly. And God brought those walls down. And may I say tonight, God just isn't king of kings and lord of lords and wants to just put you under his control and cause you to be miserable and serve him. He's a holy God. He deserves that. But he doesn't make that. He was willing to come to you for you and me. He was willing to give us that that liberty, if you will. He was willing to, he didn't make us as a robot. He, He allowed us to come and do what we want. And he's there to help us every step of the way. And Joshua got to see this fierce and mighty captain of the Lord. And bow in reverence. And God says, I like that. By the way, Joshua, I'm going to help you. Can you imagine as Joshua saw those walls? A little nervous. But after he had that encounter with God, can you imagine as he turned around and walked back thinking, We got this now. May I say tonight, we too can have the Lord's help in our life. Hebrews 13, verse 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper and I will not fear. What man shall do unto me? Some look at God as that mean, powerful, sovereign God that he wants control of everything. Some look at God and are wowed by his holiness. Some look at God and experience his humility and are forever grateful. And some say, you know what, God, I don't want to do this alone. I need your helpfulness. And I want to encourage you tonight, dear Christian. You can have respect and honor of God. You can love his holiness. You can be thankful for his humility. But you can enjoy his helpfulness every day of your life. 
Alex Haley was the author of Roots. He had an unusual picture hanging on his office wall. It was a picture of a turtle on top of a fence post. One person came in and said, Alex, why in the world do you have that picture there? Alex answered, every time I write something significant, every time I read my words and think they are wonderful, and I begin to be pretty proud of myself, I look at that turtle on the top of that fence post and say, he didn't get there on his own, he had help. Tonight, we can be full of ourselves sometimes. That's just our nature. I've been there. Maybe you've been there. May I say, we don't get to the top and have a victorious Christian life on our own. It's by the grace of God and his help. But may we allow God to continue to help us in the days and weeks and years ahead. May we love his authority. May we be thankful for his headship. May we be grateful for his holiness because without it, we'd have no hope. May we thank God for his humility that he was willing to come to earth for us and die on the cross. And may we never forget that he is there every step of the way to help us in our daily life. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Lord, I don't know how you'll use the message tonight. I know you convicted my heart. Lord, maybe there's someone here today that does not know you as their personal savior. I don't know if that's the case. But I do ask tonight, if there is somebody, may they come to you. In fact, with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many would say, Pastor Justin, I I didn't realize how amazing God was. I (laughs) I don't realize he's so worthy to be worshipped in his holiness. In fact, I kind of just didn't know much about it. But tonight I realized Jesus Christ came for me because of my sin. And I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I want Jesus to pay for my sin debt. Pastor Justin, I may not know you, or maybe you do, but God touched my heart tonight. I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven, and I'd like to get that settled. If that's you tonight, will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. You say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I've struggled with God's authority in my life. But I realize tonight that he's so powerful. He deserves it. And I pray you'll help me submit to his authority in my life. If that's you, we slip up your hand tonight. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Maybe there's someone tonight that would say, Pastor Justin, I, I forgot about the holiness of God. And I really haven't been living a holy life like I should. God convicted my heart tonight. Will you pray for me? If that's you, we slip up your hand. God bless you. Maybe there's someone tonight that would say, you know, Pastor Justin, this area of humility... God came to earth for me. And may I not forget that. May I thank him for that on a daily basis. But I need his help tonight. As Joshua needed God's help to take down Jericho, I have some some significant barriers in my life. I have some Jerichos in my life. Will you pray for me tonight, Pastor Justin, that God will help me with those? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. Lord, you see the hands, you know the hearts. I pray you'll work like only you can. May we, like Joshua, have a fresh experience with you. May we experience your lordship. May we experience your holiness. May we experience and be thankful for your your humility to come to earth. And Lord, may we enjoy and tap into and take advantage of your willingness to help us, Lord. 
In Jesus' name, amen. If you could stand to your feet, the piano is going to play. Invitation is open. If God would have you come forward and maybe spend a minute in prayer, maybe you'd like to have someone pray with you, or maybe you're interested in baptism, or maybe joining the church, or maybe just rededicating your life, or maybe just staying there in your pew and, and praying for someone near you. Well, may I encourage you uh, to take a moment tonight and reflect on God's uh, authority in your life, on God's holiness on his willingness to be able to come and die on the cross for us, to take away that sword so we can have direct access to God. And may we take advantage and pray for his helpfulness in our life as well tonight. bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for your faithfulness tonight. I mean that. I know it was a, a day where there's a lot going on, but I appreciate you being here tonight, and I hope you were blessed. I hope you have a great week. Let's watch our video tonight, a few announcements, and we'll be dismissed. The international program at GVCA has the opportunity to host 33 Japanese students this August. The dates will be from the 2nd to the 14th. We are looking for several families that would be willing to host these students for those two weeks. If you would like to volunteer, please see Nicole Berkland. Mark your calendars for our upcoming events this summer. Our men's advance will be June 23rd and 24th. Join us for preaching by Pastor Stuart Mason and Pastor Jason Murphy, as well as food, fellowship, and games. Vacation Bible School will be held July 10th through the 12th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. and is for children K-4 through 6th grade. Finally, don't miss our Young Adult Conference with Pastor Kurt Skelly on Friday and Saturday, August 11th through the 12th. The Amazing Race Teen Activity for 6th through 12th graders will be this Thursday, May 18th at Grandview. The activity will start in the Abundant Life Room at 6 p.m. We will be divided into teams and each team will be racing each other to complete a list of challenges. The cost for this activity is only $5 and pizza will be provided. The activity will end at 8.30 p.m. For questions or more information, please see TJ Gardner. The Best Years Club is going to Stone Cliff Inn for lunch on May 23rd at 12.30 p.m. And transportation will leave the church at noon. To sign up for this or other upcoming Best Years Club activities, check the welcome desk for upcoming events. Don't miss our annual ladies conference Friday and Saturday. May 19th through the 20th. The cost is only $25, and we have special speakers, Kathy Bailey, Molly Otis, and our own Vicki Mutchler. Don't miss this great time of fellowship and Bible teaching. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you, and you will receive a gift card. Have a great week, and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7. God bless you. You're dismissed.